Okay, we're going to read from Psalm 10, as uh, Karen has announced, page 386, and we're going to read the whole psalm. Um, so, Psalm 10. Why, O Lord, do you stand far off? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? In his arrogance, the wicked man hunts down the weak, who are caught in the schemes he devises. He boasts of the cravings of his heart. He blesses the greedy and reviles the Lord. In his pride, the wicked does not seek him. In all his thoughts, there is no room for God. His ways are always prosperous. He is haughty, and all your laws are far from him. He sneers at all his enemies. He says to himself, nothing will shake me. I'll always be happy and never have trouble. His mouth is full of curses and lies and threats. Trouble and evil are under his tongue. He lies in wait near the villages from ambush. He murders the innocent, watching in secret for his victims. He lies in wait like a lion in cover. He lies in wait to catch the helpless. He catches the helpless and drags them off in his net. His victims are crushed. They collapse. They fall under his strength. He says to himself, God has forgotten. He covers his face and never sees. Arise, Lord. Lift up your hand, O God. Do not forget the helpless. Why does the wicked man revile God? Why does he say to himself, he won't call me to account? But you, O oh God, do see trouble and grief. You consider it to take it in hand. The victim commits himself to you. You are the helper of the fatherless. Break the arm of the wicked and evil man. Call him to account for his wickedness that would not be found out. The Lord is king. Forever and ever, the nations will perish from his land. You hear, O Lord, the desire of the afflicted. You encourage them and you listen to their cry, defending the fatherless and the oppressed, in order that man who is of the earth may terrify no more. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks. Let me get my notes out. So at least we have a roadmap for where we're going. Once again, I do just want to thank Karen for the invitation to come and to be with you. And uh, I think I've come on a very good Sunday. Maybe every Sunday is a very good Sunday, but. Uh, I think uh, the joy of uh, last weekend's away certainly seems to be permeating, uh, even to somebody like me who's just coming to visit uh, this morning. So it's a joy to be with you. Now, this morning, in many ways, I've picked up is, in many ways, there's contrasts. There, there's joy at uh, the weekend away. There's, there's joy at how God is at work in, in, in your lives. And yet also, I'm, I'm bringing news of 
Christians, brothers and sisters who are not having it easy. There's light and there's darkness and both are present throughout our lives and throughout the word of God and throughout this psalm as well. The title of the few thoughts that I want us to uh, just think about for the next while, it's a very simple title, but a very deep title, and the title is, Where is God? Where is God? Every year when we're preparing the Lent Prayer Project, I have to write a page for the magazine, kind of just introducing it and trying to put it into context, trying to, for somebody who picks it up, trying to get the idea of what's the point of praying? Um, will God answer our prayers? Things like that. So in many ways, this sermon began when I was on the search for a verse to hang over this project for this particular year. And it was interesting, the Bible reading that you chose right at the very start from 2 Corinthians, uh, there's one or two verses in there that we have used as a very good uh, title to hang over the yearly project. But this year, we decided on uh, a verse from the very end of Psalm 10, verse 17, which says, You hear, O Lord, the desire of the afflicted. You encourage them and you listen to their cry. But the psalm begins in a very different place. David, at the beginning of the psalm, was troubled. There's no two ways about it. And I would think everybody in this room who was singing with hearts full of joy, both on your weekend away and here this morning, I don't believe any of you has not had a time when your heart has been troubled, whether it be about health, whether it be about family, whether it be about work, whether it be about money. We all have times when we are troubled. And we all, I think, if we are honest, have times when we wonder, where is God? This is where David begins. And it brings out big questions, questions that can't be addressed in a few minutes, or can't be adequately and fully addressed in a few minutes this morning. Questions like, why do innocent people suffer? And the other side of that, why do wicked people prosper? And then the one, the question maybe that might trouble us more than any other one, which is why does God seem to do nothing? So, big questions. I'm going to just see what we can do and why, as we look through this psalm, as we journey with David through this psalm, see what we can learn. The first 11 verses, in many ways, are summed up with the, the very... Uh, first few words of the psalm. Why, Lord, do you stand far off? Now, the first thing uh, to note, really, is that David cries out to God. It's very raw. It's very deep. It's um, not full of religious words. Why, O oh Lord, do you stand far off? And you know, it, it's a great encouragement. The Psalms are a wonderful part of the Bible. Every human emotion is there. And so, if David can cry out to God like this, 
then so can you and so can I. We don't have to wait and use religious language. We don't have to wait for somebody else to pray for us. Although there can be great help in praying with each other and supporting each other. But sometimes there will be times, and many times there will be times, when we are on our own with God. And the Psalms encourage us that God can take the raw cries from our heart. David's in deep trouble. He's looking around. We don't know exactly the circumstance that uh, he was in when he wrote this psalm. But what is really troubling him is the wicked are being victorious and it seems he's helpless. It seems there's nothing can stop his trouble. Nothing can stop the wicked. And it's very interesting to see the words that are used to describe the wicked. And in verse two, the wicked uh, man is described as in his arrogance. And really it all begins with that. Pride and arrogance are the beginning of so many uh, troubles. It's described as hunting the weak, described as boasting and greedy and reviling God in verse three. And really the key to it, the end of verse four is, in all his thoughts, there is no room for God. In all his thoughts, there is no room for God. And, you know, some of the verses in this psalm have echoes in the situation of the prisoners that I just outlined to you just a few minutes ago. Um, Gebra Medin in Eritrea, Asif Pervez in Pakistan, they're there because of opposition from governments, lies and threats from enemies. There's talk as the psalm goes on of uh, the righteous being ambushed. And you know, in India today, almost every Sunday, there are churches meeting in rural parts of India and they're ambushed by Hindu extremists who just want the area to be for Hindus only. They want Christians out of the way. Every Sunday. In Nigeria, you're probably familiar, in the Middle Belt region in particular, Christian communities being attacked at the dead of night by armed Muslim militants who just want to clear Christians out of the area. So we in Ireland may not be facing ambushes. Maybe uh, we do face lies and threats in different ways to us living as a Christian in our family, wherever we work amongst our, uh, those we uh, live with. So it's not something that we are immune from. And the questions go round and round and round in your mind. Why does God not do something now? And usually, if you're anything like me, you actually have a plan for God to do. You have exactly in your mind what you want God to do. But there's a break in this uh, psalm. And I left a pause at the end of verse 11. Because 
David has been looking all around, all around at every aspect of the situation and he just feels helpless. The situation seems terrible and um, nothing can be done. But then he turns his thoughts and the second half of the psalm is very diff different. He turns his thoughts to what he knows about God. First part of the psalms, he's been looking all around him. He's been looking at his troubles and his focus has been on that he can't see God at work. But then he turns his thoughts to what he knows about God. And that's something that we should do as well. So there's a contrast, the end of verse 11. Uh, he says to himself, God, talking about the wicked man, he says to himself, God has forgotten, he covers his face and never sees. That's what the wicked man thinks. And so David again boldly calls on God, arise, Lord, lift up your hand. Do not forget the helpless. He trusts in God. He knows that God has the power to deal with the wicked. And so he petitions God, lift up your hand. And then in verse 14, he reassures himself, but you, O oh God, do see trouble and grief. You consider it to take it in hand. And then the end of that verse, you are the helper of the fatherless. The fatherless in those days, and indeed in many ways in these days too, are amongst the weakest of society, the nobody to defend them, They're helpless. But David knows God as the helper of the fatherless. And then he moves down to verse 16. The Lord is king forever and ever. The nations will perish from his land. The Lord is king forever and ever. David finds rest in that truth. And so can we. It's ever comforting. It's secure. We've just been uh, singing a song uh, calling on the Lord to hold us fast. He will hold me fast. And he will hold me fast because he can hold me fast in every circumstance, in every circumstance that I face and you face. He will hold you fast. God is with his people in their troubles. Is that a message that we need to hear this morning? Because troubles do come in our lives. I always wonder whenever I'm up speaking in a church and look around at a sea of faces and many are looking happy, many are looking warm and cheerful and friendly and encouraging and I just wonder what's going on in everybody's life. But experience tells me that there are many troubles in each of our lives that we have to uh, deal with. But this psalm and the whole scripture 
tells us that God is with us in our troubles. And you know what? It's sometimes easier to um, say amen to that when you're going through a good time. And my own, I will put my hand up first to say that sometimes I don't live out my own sermon. That when troubles come, I can easily forget. And that's why it's important. And David in many ways is preaching to himself in the second half of this psalm. The Lord is king forever and ever. I need to remember that. The Lord is with his people. I need to remember that. The Lord is the father, the helper of the fatherless. The Lord hears the desire of the afflicted. So when you're in trouble, when you're praying, when it feels like you're not getting through, you need to remember what the Bible says about God and you need to trust. He will hold me fast. The, time to, the best time to sing that is when you're in trouble and just to remind yourself, he will hold me fast. Matthew Henry, the famous commentator, says of this uh, section, from him, from God, I expect relief and comfort, believing that it will come, longing till it comes, but patiently bearing the delay of it and resolving to look for it from no other hand. We need to trust God. At the end of the psalm, has the situation changed? I don't think it has. But there's a huge change in David's thinking. And I think that's something that maybe uh, we need to take on board as well. Sometimes what we need is a change in our attitude, a change in our heart. Because sometimes the Lord comes into our troubles and he doesn't change the situation, but he changes us so that we can face the situation until it does change. I cannot imagine what it's like to be going through what Sarah and Hamayun and Gebra Medin and Asif and Pastor Howe and Ipumya are going through. I often feel deeply unworthy to be speaking, as it were, on their behalf. So I'm not saying that troubles are light and are to be glossed over. And you may be going through terrible troubles. And I'm not saying this morning, uh, ah, don't worry, everything will be all right. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying this morning is that the Lord is king forever and ever. What I'm saying this morning is that the Lord hears your desires of your heart when you're afflicted. What I'm saying this morning is that the Lord will encourage you and the Lord listens to you. That's the message to take away from Psalm 10 this morning. David starts with a troubled and a fearful heart. He ends with confidence in God. 
confidence in the God who is the almighty, everlasting king, the caring father who listens to his children, and the God who defends the weak and the oppressed. This is our God, too, who is with us always. I finish with a story. The story is of a prisoner from Eritrea. It's a story from a few years back. The prisoner's name was Helen Burhani. Helen was a gospel singer in Eritrea. She was thrown in prison because she wouldn't stop gospel singing. She'd become popular with young people in Eritrea and the government didn't like it. Eritrea is a poor country. Eritrea did not have enough prisoner, prisons to accommodate all the people that President Afewerki wanted put in prison. So they came up with a stopgap solution. And that was to use metal shipping containers as prisons, and just to throw people into them. Helen was one of those. She suffered greatly because she was beaten by uh, prison guards. No kind of control, no, no proper regulations. Uh, at one stage, she was beaten so badly that it was thought she was going to die. So she was allowed, uh, she was basically taken and put in a, in a hospital and abandoned. She recovered from that. She managed to get out of Eritrea. Many in Ireland were praying for her. When she got out of Eritrea, through a long story, she was able to come to Ireland. And she came and she, sp she spoke at a conference. And as I said earlier, so often I feel unworthy to be representing people like that. Um, she spoke and she sang, and then I asked a few questions, and I still can remember asking the following question. I said to her, in front of the, the people at the conference, um, Helen, during those times when you were in the shipping container, when you were getting beaten, did you ever doubt God? Because there was a, there was a way out for Helen from that situation. That way out was it, she could sign a document that would say she would give up gospel singing. So I said to her, did you ever doubt God and did you ever consider signing that paper? Well, this woman who I'd got to know, who we were delighted to have in Ireland, who we were great friends with and so on, she stared at me. Do most of you know the phrase stared daggers? Maybe with this more something in Ireland. It means you kind of look through you. I look at Kieran because otherwise you'd never invite me back if I look at any of your congregation. You just stare intently. See the look on my face? She turned, and because she thought I was her friend, she turned. She was so offended that I would even put the question as to whether it had gone through her mind that she would doubt God. The Lord was with her in the midst of all those trials and troubles and beatings. And if the Lord was with Helen Burhani in the midst of that, you can be confident he will be with you in whatever you are going through. 
So keep on trusting. And if you keep on trusting, you will be able to say, it is well with my soul. Which I think is the closing hymn on the order of service which I had temporarily.